strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Today, we have on Daniel Leung, the founder and CEO of LiveNow Technologies. I met Daniel recently through Paul. Paul's always great at connecting us with awesome people. Daniel is the man. He's actually, I believe, only 23. He lives in Vancouver. Well, he did live in Vancouver. I think he's actually moving to New York. He'll fill us in on that. Uh, he's in New York currently. I think I'm actually hanging out with him after the podcast. So that's a first, a, a guest uh, coming on and then chilling right afterwards. So I think we're going to be meeting up with him in the park with Paul. But uh, he he has some really cool stuff going on, guys. I know we talked briefly about the notion of him. We're always talking about burnout and how to avoid it. We all work very hard. We're all building something special together. Daniel has figured out a way to help people avoid burnout before it happens through technology, which... I'm really personally really very fascinated by. Uh, I know we it was a bit of a shortened week. We had Hella on Thursday, so we're not doing a book until next week. We'll be inter- uh, reviewing the No No Filter book by Sarah Fryer. It's called No Filter. It's the story of Instagram. Pretty cool read. I'm in the middle of it right now. So that'll be fun to dive into. But uh, without further ado, we obviously have current events and food for thought. But uh, you guys, any breathtaking on the food front? Corey, we walked like a marathon yesterday. What did you end up doing food coma-wise last night? Uh, pizza. So, uh, yeah, me and Mike walked. Uh, if you're familiar with New York, we walked to Central Park. And Mike actually walked from Tribeca to Central Park, which he met me on 83rd Street and 5th Avenue. That is an insane walk. <laughs> and then we walked around the park a bunch. And then we actually walked back down towards Mike. So yeah, we built up an appetite and I came home and I just crushed a pizza and it was awesome. What kind of pizza? Just a regular plain cheese, classic pizza. Wow, Corey, you didn't go like cauliflower or wheat crust? Pizza and no toppings, just cheese. And it was wow. great. It's been Look a long that. time too. Dan's yeah. very proud. You can tell he's grinning over there. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Dan, how about you with the sickness? Have you been able to still have an appetite? Yeah, I've I've had a full appetite. I keep thinking back to all the symptoms Corey had and waiting for this to just like blindside me, which I feel like I'm like not quite out of the woods yet. But kind of like DraftKings said to me the last hour of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Then got plowed up a little after hours though. So Good. it'll it'll come back quick. But um I'm just amazed with all the things that you could send in the mail food wise. Like obviously I've talked up HelloFresh on here and then you set me up with that gold belly account, which I still have to order more stuff on. And then mom sent me like this whole chicken noodle soup thing with cookies and it came frozen where I just had to like deep thaw it and put it in, you know, what heat it up in a pan. Which one? And uh, damn, I knew you were going to ask that. I got to, I got to look, I forget. But I remember it wasn't Mom's good at that. Always sending when we're sick, some sort of like challah bread with chicken noodle soup. 
I think she felt bad because I kind of called her out because she know she knew that I went to get tested for the coronavirus, and the next day, you know, mom's normally all over that like morning text, like oh how you feeling, phone call, whatever. Like seven p.m. rolls around, I still hadn't heard from mom, and she knew what? I was like feeling like virusy. Went to get the a corona Jewish test. mother, no checking. Yeah, so dude, I text her and I'm like, "How's it going?" <laughs> like, I just sent her a text and she called me and she like went on this rant about how she's been stressed out with work. And I was just like, "Mom," I, I kind of called her out in like a joking way. I was like, I, "I'm kind of disappointed in you." Like, I went to get tested for Corona and you don't even text me to see how I'm doing. <laughs> so, not to throw Kath under the bus, she's the greatest mom ever. And you know, we might, sent- we might need Aronson to have a one-on-one with her. About probably with sick seriously, yeah, yeah, I feel like they're on the same page. Yeah, if I didn't hear yeah. from my mom, I would definitely text her, "What's up? Like, what's going on?" Yeah, and I'd probably get chicken noodle soup in the mail a couple of days later too. Oh, and then she sure. they then now Dan, you'll be hearing from mom like every three hours. Oh uh, yeah, I will say like the one thing about the coronavirus that's been the weirdest thing for me about it is all right, Danny completely lost her senses and they're starting to come back with me. They're just weak. So it's like now, and now I think a lot of it's in my head where when I go to eat things, it's uh, like Danny and I always joke around now that it's all about the texture and not about how it actually tastes since we like can't really taste it. My senses aren't like fully gone, but I feel like mentally they're partially gone. And then actually in reality they're partially gone so when you combine the two you don't really like i'm having a tough time tasting things which i guess I, I feel like it's so much better to have corona like at the same time as like your significant other than have it like separately because you guys are like going through it together feeling like shit together where it's not just like one and then the other i feel like that's, that's great <laughs> yeah no you i know. think that's a good point it, i'm still dude part of me still thinks i'm like in that phase when most people don't even know that they're sick and for me for whatever reason i'm just like being a pussy and felt sick and you know how it's like everyone's like oh the first week you don't have symptoms or whatever i'm amazed at how mild this whole thing has been but then keep in mind it's it's mild for a lot of cases no i know but still like a bad case so that's obviously in your head because you know him so well Yeah, yeah so that's obviously close to home because Corey, had yeah, Corey's the only one that I know that got the coronavirus and his experience. I mean, Corey, you could talk about it a little bit. It was brutal, wasn't it? It was brutal. I I didn't eat for two weeks. I mean, I feel like at this point where you're at, I had I started to get symptoms already that were like bad. And then the only thing that came like the second week for me was the cough. I didn't have like any congestion. My body and my head were just killing me, and I had no energy like both weeks, but the first week it was just like no energy and my head hurt and my body was the worst though. Like my leg pains, that was insane. I couldn't get up and I definitely was not hungry though. So I think that having an appetite is probably a good sign. Yeah, it shows that the body's trying to fight it off. Yeah, I have not had any body aches at all or like the night sweats or really any cough. That, that I had a cough the very first night and that's when I was like, oh man, am I getting the coronavirus? And then the next morning I woke up with that energy and was just like, I'm going to get a test and obviously tested positive. And now that was last Sunday and now it's Monday. It's been eight days now. And again, I'm still like, you know, yeah. So I, part of me feels like I could like go like run out of this, like go on a run right now and then feel great. But at the same time, 
the day after I got tested when I was waiting for my results and I thought I was feeling better, I did do that. And I don't really know if that's the best idea. Mike, I know you're big on that running when you're sick, well, <laughs> just kind of like sweating it out. Coronavirus. I th I'm big on that when I'm, when I have a normal cold and I don't even know if that's always a good thing to do. I feel like yeah. it depends on the sickness more than anything. For sure. Danny's <laughs> been all about the juicing though. And that's been good. Yeah. She like yeah. once a day just throws all this stuff into one big juicer and like a lot, I guess ginger is a really good thing to eat when you're feeling sick or just in general. Yeah. So there's been a lot of ginger in these juices. And Corey and I had dominant juices at Central Park yeah. yesterday. That was really that's good. Awesome. Dan Rollins. Yeah. What was there? Banana, blueberry, mango. Uh, and it was so good. Spinach. Dude, I can't wait to come to New York. Like when oh, yeah. I can, when the dust settles with all this and just yeah. like start it moving around a little bit. Out. One day, yeah. awesome. Corona's out of there. Uh, yeah, Dan, so now that, like doctors know a little bit more about what's going on. Like, did they, what did they tell you? Anything? Dude, or they just told you they, to rest? They just told me to refer to the CDC website. So I just went yeah. on there and read it and kind of told myself when I first tested positive, I was like, all right, I'm going to just not even talk to a doctor unless this gets like scary bad. And then my plan originally was I was going to just call Mongolik or my old doctor in Denver and just let him know that I'm living down here and I got it and I don't have a doctor yet. And what he recommends I do. But they just told me to go on the CDC website. And the first thing on the CDC website actually made me feel really good. It basically said like most majority of cases are just super mild. And I was like, oh, that's definitely not like what they say. The one thing is, and I don't know if it's because it's like, <laughs> I kind of have what you said, Mike, that you were having, but my left eye keeps like, I don't even want to say twitching. I feel like that's I've had like fatigue. a- That's just screen fatigue. Mine went away like a week ago. And since yeah, I true. on, I have Corey, great call on that. I got. Oh, I might have to get a pair of those. I oh, think they're I'm, phenomenal. They're like 15 yeah. bucks. These are actually Paul's. I have to bring them back to his office. True. I, I'm waiting on some in the mail. So wait, what are they? Like what what, what are they called? They're, they're called light. blue light blue light glasses. Blue light. They protect against the blue light in the computer monitor and, and your phone. But that yeah, it, it happened to everyone right now because everyone's just staring at computers all day and they're home or TV, whatever, phone. So that, that is what that is, Dan. I don't think that's corona related. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right about that. The other thing that was really weird, and then we'll move on, is the testing for corona is like so uncomfortable they I, I don't know Corey, how'd you get tested i got that like stick that like touched my thoughts in my brain it was weird yeah exactly <laughs> 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 dude i i couldn't have said it better <laughs> that was really funny um, yeah it was really uncomfortable it's like a very long stick very long stick and like, I, like wiggle it up in your brain Brutal. Yeah, and it like they hold it there for just long enough where you're like, oh, this is fucking brutal. It's like ten to fifteen seconds. Yeah, yeah. So, so. Glad they also come out. Era. Yeah, I, I went through like one of those drive-through things, and they came out like dressed like I, I felt like I was in like a space robotic movie, like full body suit along with the shield. It was crazy. Obviously, I got like to be expected they're testing sick people all day so it makes sense but yeah wow well hopefully you guys come out of that soon yeah thank you and yeah dan current events wise outside of your corona situation what's going on anything new in the world the last few days
I mean, the main thing that caught my eye that I'm just curious to get your guys' opinion on is how, from the way I understand it, a bunch of TikTokers sabotaged Trump's Oklahoma I thought rally. that was really funny. I thought that was hysterical. I thought that yeah. Very clever. I, I didn't, it, yeah, I mean, it's insane. So what actually happened with that? The, from what I, the way I understand it, it is there was like- a house and it wasn't. Like I saw the rally on, you could tell it was a, a lot of empty seats and Trump was not it pleased. Was, yeah, it went yeah. viral to sign up for free seats and everyone on TikTok just did it. So he thought it was gonna be packed and it was just like empty. Yeah. <laughs> and did, did they limit how many seats they were doing based on that? Like, did they stop allowing people to reserve and that's why it was empty? Well, or would I it, would... it was partly also like terrible weather with like the storms and then the news outbreak about the Corona uptick with the staffers. So Trump was annoyed that got out because I think yeah. that I'm sure deterred people from showing up and who knows? Also, it could just be Trump losing some steam. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty low blow to the guy. I'm not gonna. But it, it's yeah, like time, the timing on running it's tough with all that going on. I feel like he did not time that well at all. That rally, doing that that day, he should have waited. Doing that the day after Juneteenth was just ignorant. So I, I think yeah. the timing on that was just stupid. Yeah, he and it might come back like, to bite him in the ass. Yeah, are they gonna like virtually? And just done it like for every like you can do it every state at one time and just do a huge oh, yeah, thing that's online. The problem with Trump, that's his downfall. I think is he can't. He's too impulsive when it comes to needing that in person high. You know, the demographics. Yeah, Corey, I, that would be such a great way for a guy like that to campaign because it's well, you could just you do could. it whenever you want. You know, people are going to tune in. It's kind of what he was doing with his daily briefings for a <laughs> while. And exactly. I, like for a while, they were honestly hilarious. Like I, I would look forward to them because they were just so comical. And then he just stopped doing it. It was. I feel crazy. like every single person would watch, other than just Trump supporters, and it would be huge. I think they he has another one coming up tomorrow. Another rally? I think so, or either tomorrow or Thursday. He's got one coming up in Arizona scheduled, which I think is not. Again, you shouldn't be going out and about doing that at this point. He should wait. It shows that he's like uh, really, really dismissing the coronavirus. Which, well, that he well, just needs the attention. Well, yeah, but like Arizona is one of the states that like it's popping off more than anywhere for him of to course. go there. Is just dismissing it completely. Yeah, which yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a, no, a baldy it. situation. But yeah, he's Look. trying to. He wants to get reelected, so he's looking at it like I need to get myself out there, and yeah. As I far guess. as the shutdown goes, I'm still in the camp that like that should have never happened. I think like after and obviously hindsight's 2020, but looking back, what would have made the most sense is just telling older people to take way extra caution and isolate themselves, and younger people to just lay out the risk of hey, like you're gonna probably get sick. This is what it's gonna be like. There's this chance that it gets really bad, and kind of like it. Right. we recommend. Sweden did that. Yeah, because, yeah, because, like, at the end of the day, when you think about it, like, this is just going to, in my opinion, kind of make its way around until there's probably herd immunity or until there's a vaccine, which is probably going to be, like, or well, well over a year out. Or it'll die out before there's a vaccine. Like, there was a guy, a doctor came out yesterday saying that could be the case. Where it just, like, it kills, it kills itself. It dissipates true. before it, it goes through people and then it dies out with the people. 
Got you. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, at the end of the day, it'll just run its course. So that was the main thing that I had. Do you guys have anything else that you want to talk about? Corey, food for thought? Uh, yeah, food for thought. So we're going to do a couple more. My friends like the trivia. So we're going to do some more trivia this week, Mike versus Dan. And the other thing we're going to do is, so I was going over some food hacks, um, and I'm going to try them out. And then I'm, this week, I'm going to send them to Jeff, and I'm going to have him post it on social. So the one oh. I thought, there's two that I thought were pretty interesting. One is that if you take a water bottle and any, any drink and it's warm and you want a cold drink, you just take a wet paper towel and you wrap it around the drink and you put it in the freezer for five minutes and it instantly gets cold in those five minutes. So mm. I'm going to mm. actually try that out. I'm going to try to debunk some of these food hacks or just you know see if it works. And the other is if you have any stain on your shirt, and you just soak it in white wine and then put it in the washer, it gets out all stains. Wow. So I don't have a stained shirt, but I'm gonna attempt to find one and Corey, do that. I so I I'm gonna, that. yeah, yeah, I need that too, usually. Um, but I'm gonna try those out. I'm gonna send the video to Jeff, do a little time lapse, and we'll have some content to put up. But like in the meantime, for this week, we'll do some food trivia. Again, Dan versus Mike, five questions. We'll see if Dan can come back yeah, yeah. after last week's debacle. Right, so, Dude, I'm like terrible at this. We'll start with Dan again. Um, what what's ta what state is the popcorn town of America? Uh, what state? What state? Popcorn town of America. Let me think about this. I'll give you, a hint. Guess. I'll give you a hint, Dan, if you want. Yeah, I'll take a hint. The, the hint is that one of our markets is in this state. Okay. I think it is Arizona. Ah, oh, Dan. Nah, that doesn't sound <laughs> right. Can I change in, my guess? Indiana. I was going to change my guess to Indiana. <laughs> is it Indiana? All right, we got It's Indiana. So we got one one oh, Mike. All right. All right, what is the ice cream capital of the world? Wisconsin. Uh, I want to no. say New York. What? Is Iowa. Iowa. Uh, oh, I would have never guessed that. I feel like I should get a half a point because Wisconsin's closer to Iowa than Wisconsin New York. Wisconsin was a good guess. <laughs> I would have guessed that mountain too. Let's see. All right, what was the first soda pop that was ever manufactured in America? Like the name of it? <laughs> yeah. Type. Dan, what are you doing over there? Can you repeat the question? My hands are up here. I'm not looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, name the first soda manufactured in America. So it could be like, say, a Sprite or any kind of soda. Or, well, my, yeah, not Sprite. So. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it, it was, I just don't know. I mean, I'm going to guess Coca-Cola, but I know that's not right. I know it was like some ancient thing that's not even around anymore. Dr. Pepper? No. No, it's a ginger ale. Oh, what? Oh, what? really? I did not know that. Burner's ginger ale. So there you go. So we're still at 1 0. We've got two more questions left. Shout out to Paul. Paul is a ginger ale addict. That kid loves that stuff. I love ginger ale. It's great, great for your stomach. Definitely. Okay. Daniel Leung is going to come on here and be like, holy crap, you guys are burnt out. <laughs> All right. According to uh, what is the most popular pizza topping? In the United Kingdom. Oh God! In the United Kingdom, that's like a trick question. <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go with sausage. Wow, 
Dan, that's a good one. I'm trying to think if he's right. I, I want definitely not. I'm not right. He wouldn't even have given you the chance to answer. I feel like. No, I have to give him the chance. No, he has to give me the chance. Oh, okay. I was gonna actually go with that until you said it, and now I feel like I have to put <laughs> it up, even though I think you're right. Uh, I'm gonna go with olives. What? Mushroom. Mushroom. Uh, mushrooms. Man, I didn't see that coming. Right. I love mushroom on my pizza. Yeah, that's my favorite topic. Yeah, same here. Yeah. All right. So last question. Must be European. Last question. We got one. Mike one, Dan zero. Last question. What is the scale that is used to measure spicy heat of peppers? Or sauce, hot sauce, oh, any, man, any heat? Dan is not going to get this. Well, like, wait, let's, could you <laughs> rephrase the question? Right. Yeah, here, it says the which good. scale, it, what scale is used to measure, um, here, I'm trying to, I can't really rephrase yeah. it. Let me give you guys uh, I get what, I get what you're saying, like how, how wings are like hot, mild. Yeah. Yeah, there's like a scale of how hot a pepper is, and it's called something. So what's the name of the scale you're asking? A scale. Danny's holding up signs in the background there with the cat. I see what's going on there. <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, you know what? Man. Then we're going to switch it up because that one's hard. It's called the Scoville scale, and that like measures hot sauce, peppers, all things I hot. I never but, gotten that. Yeah, no. All right, we'll try a different one. What is the state, <laughs> what is the state food of South Carolina? Oh, man. I should know this. I love yeah. you now. Um, it is... It's random. Shrimp and grits? Nope. <laughs> uh, I'm going to no. hush puppies. It's uh, boiled peanuts. <laughs> what? <laughs> man, you better get on that. Young man. <laughs> I thought I nailed it with yeah. shrimp and grits because they have that everywhere. Dan, is young yeah, man. Uh, honestly, he's been not acting great the last week. Did you ask if he's healthy? Yeah. Virtual appointment with the vet tomorrow. Not that I know how that's going to go down, but he's been definitely acting not like sick, like from the corona or anything like that. It just seems like he's been achy. Well, that's that could be the corona. Yeah, it's uh, he's definitely been kind of miserable this last week and a half. I feel bad. Damn, sorry yeah. to hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll be all right there. Danny's cat is a spunctious little animal. <laughs> she. <laughs> She's honestly awesome. She's like young and very, very energetic and like has a great time. Nice. Do they get along? They do. But Miles is definitely here. I'm going to go get him. Hold yeah, get the man. Yeah, we got Daniel on in about five minutes. Normally we go right into our guest, but obviously we don't have a book this week. Uh, Do you guys uh, talk about the Utah expansion at all? That, that could be a cool oh, thing. Let's go over that. Corey has been an amp getting us trigger happy to go here. We are getting ready in the paint. For Ogden and Salt Lake City for well, Modell. It's funny. Our <laughs> we've signed. We Corey signed up this Ethiopian restaurant just to use our online ordering platform for takeout, and they were getting a handful of orders a day. And then when the Black Lives Matter movement started, they'd been getting like twenty orders a day. So we've been collecting all this customer data, and it's I'm not. It's like amazing how that restaurant gets so many orders. I can't even get over it. What's yeah. What's crazy is that I, I've been shutting them off manually, like nightly, because he doesn't know how to do it. But he uh, he just can't handle it. So like the other, Saturday, he he was at forty one orders by uh, I think six o'clock, 
He was probably going to do 60 that night. <laughs> no, Corey brought and, up a great point, Dan. We could start doing his delivery when we launched there. And for sure. Yeah, naturally, yeah. that's off the bat. We've had over 300 customers from them. It's amazing. Yeah. So today, I like went back and uh, I, went, I was calling a bunch of restaurants from like our Rolodex, that just restaurants that contacted us in the past like two years. And I found this restaurant contacted us from Logan. They're not in business in Logan anymore, but they have three locations in Ogden. Mm. So I just reached out to them. And uh, yeah, it could be a good start. Jeff Roland. We're going to be calling him Senor Ogden pretty soon here. <laughs> he just called me. Nice. I'm pumped. From Jeff, I'm excited to get Jeff on that Ogden train. Yeah. I feel like people in Utah are receptive to our business. They like that we're yeah. family run. They're nice people over there. They, uh, you know, I really had a great experience when we launched that market, staying in that mountain cabin. That was awesome. Corey, have you been up there yet, that cabin? I haven't been to that cabin. I just, uh, I was up there a week last year, and then I went up in February for the Utah State meeting. Uh, but I stayed on campus at like the Union, and it was really nice. It's gorgeous, great. It's the it's most beautiful. Nice, one of the nicest campuses probably in the country. Definitely, Logan. Yeah. It, it might be Utah State. It's just very. Uh, there's not much going on there, um, you know. I guess nightlife wise. Oh no. So not not at all. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. there's like maybe two or three bars. Yeah. Um, and the bars, yeah. I don't think, really get much traction. It's very, like, you know, people definitely practice the Mormon lifestyle down there, for sure. Like, I, you know, there's not much going on. I see my favorite thing. I was there for a week uh, last year trying to sign up restaurants, and I had the same Uber driver literally every single time. I think I used <laughs> it, like, 15 or 20 times. I became, like, best friends with this guy. And then his daughter ended up. Oh, his daughter owns the Waffle Iron, which is one of our clients. It's amazing. And and him, yeah, we like still keep in touch. It's really funny. I he's like a seventy-five year old guy. That's awesome. <laughs> and yeah, obviously was preaching about Mormon. And uh, yeah, filling me in. The Utah expansion begins. And guys, we have Daniel Leon coming on in a minute. He is the CEO and founder of Live Now Technologies and Icebreak Consulting. And I believe he'll correct me if I'm wrong here. I think he's only 23, which is incredible because I think he started his first company uh, back in 2011. So I mean, he might be. Yes, it's hold on. There he is. Daniel Leon. What's going on, buddy? We are live. So yeah. I have just but, another day at work, you know, dude, I do know, man. I was just telling these guys talking you up. Are you 23, Daniel? Yeah. Wow. What? So wait, you trust me if I'm wrong here. You started your first company in 2011? Um, back in grade 10. So whenever that would be probably now like 2013. Wow. That's remarkable. Yeah. So talk about getting started young. So Daniel, ignorance is clearly bliss. When you're that age, going <laughs> in, you barely experienced life. Were, were you always like that? Like right out of the womb? Did you feel like you had a taste of entrepreneurship from your family? Where did this all start? Um, I mean, it kind of started as honestly an accident. So, I mean, it all started as like, I grew up like ski racing and um, I just like took photos of my team. And uh, I mean, the mountain asked if I wanted to get paid to do that for other teams. And uh, that's kind of how I really started. So, um, and I realized, oh, I could like make some extra money and like, put that into investments and grow it. Um, and from there I'm like, Oh, like that's actually pretty cool. 
Um, and then, yeah, it just like kind of grew my team from there. And uh, yeah. So was this like when you're in middle school, some kids are doodling on their notepads and you're just brainstorming huge companies at the age of like 10? Is that realistic? Yeah. Well, I mean, like not brainstorming huge companies, but like just like kind of going down the rabbit hole of like what what I could be doing and just like looking at what I, yeah, like what what's out there. And so Daniel, take us through the roadmap because it seems like, are you right now simultaneously running two separate companies or are you way more ahead no. now? Yeah. So I don't spend, I, I, I might spend like an hour every month on my last company. Um, I don't really do anything there anymore. I'm kind of passed the torch along um, to some of my trusted employees, um, early employees who've been with me for quite a while. Um, everything's like full time on live now right now. Um, yeah, that's uh kind of my focus right now. And I know Paul connected us initially. You guys, you got involved in plug and play and yeah. through Daniel, what, what's going on with live now? Cause the little I've heard about mm -hmm. it, you're up to something really special with especially the world we're in with burnout and how mentally fatigued people are in our society. Take us through what's going mm -hmm. on in your world right now. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is like like our core technology is basically like passive mental health measurement. Um, so instead of having people take annoying questionnaires, uh, we have them download an app and literally do nothing. Um, so that's kind of what we do. Um, we apply that technology into like a early detection and prevention use case, as well as um, helping employers like um, typically our customers are like employers or insurers. So employers link this up with the uh, person's health and wellness plan and uh, where to help them measure what is effective in their health and wellness plan and what's not. Um, so that's where we're at right now. Like we're live with three um, large employer customers now um, about to roll out to a pretty large insurance company um, beginning of next month. Um, yeah, I've been pretty heads down on um, getting our product localized into a completely new market, different language uh, for that launch. And also in the middle of like our fundraise as well. So typical founder things. Wow. So were you, when this first started conceptually, were you your own guinea pig? Like what was beta testing like for that? Yeah. So, I mean, this kind of started out of a, a, a problem that we had noticed at my last company. So burnout was obviously a problem at my last company, given we were in marketing and, a lot of our clients were high tech companies where like we just had tons of pretty tight deadlines. Um, and so like notice that burnout was a thing and um, tried a bunch of different solutions that claim to solve this problem, but ultimately didn't really solve the problem. Um, I mean, like kind of digging into it, we found that the root was all the other things that claim to solve burnout require super high engagement on the user's end. So the responsibility is on the individual to a, figure out they need some support, and then B, um, figure out where to get support. Um, and so coming from marketing, like we like use profiles of people to hit them with like an ad to get them to buy something. We kind of thought, why can't we apply similar things uh, for mental health interventions? Went to some of our customers at my last company, um, asked them if they had tried other solutions and what had worked and what hadn't worked, and they were not happy with anything out there. Um, asked if they would pay for like this made up solution before we built it. Um, and they're like, oh hell yeah, like this would save us a lot of money. 
um, and it would kind of really change the status quo in the industry, which is currently throw a bunch of money at the wall and hope something sticks. Um, yeah, that's kind of how it came about. And Daniel, are you envisioning this like uh, right away? What comes to mind are obviously companies and the culture within, but even when you think of students and the problem we have with kids these days on Adderall yeah. addictions and just going above and beyond what we call healthy with life, work, mm -hmm. life balance, how do you envision the future of Live Now? Are you looking at this in a certain demographic age group wise or opening up the floodgates at some point? Yeah, so right now we've kind of just like, um put like a minimum size on like a smallest organization that we would work with given like we're a pretty small team and we want to make sure that we're making um as much impact as possible um it takes the same amount of time to onboard a company with like 750 employees as it does to onboard like 2500 people so we're focusing on the larger organization so that we can maximize our impact early on and um that had originally included two canadian um universities but um with what's going on in the world right now no one's really in class so um we kind of had to push that back to next semester so um yeah students are definitely part of the plan um just trying to navigate what's going on in the world now uh, before we launch to them and what what do you think the biggest challenge is now with the so since the pandemic has happened with you know mm -hmm. having to shift gears working from home remotely a lot has that changed gears at all for your roadmap with this? Um, yes and no, not really, not like long-term. So, I mean, when the original kind of shift happened, um, it took a little bit of adjustment. Um, but I mean, like at this point, we're like as efficient, if not more efficient than we were before the pandemic. Um, like I think our teams are pretty distributed. Like we have people in, the Bay Area, Vancouver, and Toronto, and that was before COVID. Um, and so we were all pretty used to like working remotely, and a lot of our customers were pretty okay with virtual meetings anyway. Um, and so, yeah, like it hasn't really exchanged things like for the first, I don't know, two weeks, it's kind of a shock, but um, if anything, it's made things a little bit more efficient um, on our end. And Daniel, what's it like being based in Vancouver? I know we, we're probably gonna be hanging out here soon. You're in New York now. <laughs> your company has been based in Vancouver, correct? Yeah. So, so um, what, are, what is that like being based in Canada? What, what kind of advantages would you say you have versus being based maybe in a Silicon Valley at first? Yeah, so I guess like in terms of business advantages, um, just basically the tax subsidies uh, that are available through the generous Canadian government um, and then also just the overall lower cost of living, overall lower cost of uh, talent. There's a lot of awesome talent in Vancouver and in Toronto, um, but at like a, like half, if not like a third of what um, the rate in Silicon Valley would be because the cost of living is so high in the Bay Area. And uh, have you noticed you've gotten a lot more attention having a startup in Vancouver where you, you know, might be a big fish in a smaller pond right off the bat? than just blending into the whole San Francisco landscape from day one? Um, like, yes and no. So, I mean, um, before we had some sort of presence in Silicon Valley and before we kind of built up our network there, um, honestly, like, people in Vancouver didn't really, like, the, the tech scene is not big enough in Vancouver for 
there to be like anywhere near the amount of buzz you get um, being the Bay Area. So, I mean, there were like some minor advantages to being like a like a big place and like a small pond, like you said. Um, but really not with, like kind of foregoing the opportunity to be a Silicon Valley company. Um, it's like massive value in that, and especially kind of just like being like this young, I've always struggled with um, just kind of being judged on my age. Um, and I saw that a lot in Vancouver. And one of the main reasons why I had moved down to the Bay Area originally at the beginning of this year, just like people in the Bay Area, like understand that um, even people that are super young um, can do crazy things. And so they'll give you like their full like attention and actually like listen to you. Where I found in Vancouver, just like quite often I was pretty quickly dismissed at networking events, conferences and whatnot. Yeah, Daniel, I was going to bring that up to you because we, you know, we've been used to being entrepreneurs at a young age. I wanted to ask you what you think the biggest challenge has been getting started young. I know it has a lot of advantages, but it's cool that you bring up the other end of that where, you know, sometimes you're not taken as seriously as a, a guy that might be in his 50s. Can you shed some light on that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of always been a problem. Um, for me, I mean, it's like good and bad. I mean, like sometimes like you can catch people off guard and it's, it could be a good thing and um, you can kind of lay low and all that. Um, but I mean, for me, it's just like kind of really, it just kind of got annoying at a point and I was pretty tired of it. Um, and I, uh, being exposed to the Bay Area, I saw there was not a problem there. Um, and that like really, that was one of the main triggers that got me to move down to the Bay Area at the beginning of this year. Just like, I was just pretty tired of like just people, um, judging me for for looking young um yeah we yeah. i i completely relate to that man we had to deal with that a lot early on when we were starting out yeah. getting restaurants take us seriously uh so yeah. Daniel, take us through like how does this work say our team was a larger company that was a part of your network here getting plugged in on day one what would it look like yeah so i mean in terms of like our, our product, like there's like two ways you could, um, as like an individual user, you could use it. Like you can either use like a white label version of our app, you download it, and then um, you literally you download it, you set up your account, um, which takes like two minutes, and then from there, after after half a day, it'll start spitting out your um, energy level, your focus level, and how much productivity capacity you have left for the rest of the day. Um, just completely passively, and then over time, it'll collect your historical data, um, and then you can look at like when your ups and downs were, and then um, if it's linked to your company's health and wellness plan, um, depending on like um, if you had a change in your mental health score, we'll um, send you like push notification and nudge you um, to take an intervention. It could be as simple as go for a ten-minute walk in return for half an hour of better productivity, or it could be something like. Um, scheduling an appointment with um, like a private trainer or scheduling an appointment with a psychiatrist, depending on the kind of what the change in your mental score was, uh, we'll match you up with um, how certain health and wellness benefits have been clinically validated to change or fix your um, mental score. Wow. That, that sounds like it's so set up to be on an Apple roadmap. For yeah. like you're in a perfect collision course with what they're up to. Like Daniel, what would you say your biggest, have you seen any competition in this space or are you at the forefront of this on like a monopoly end? Um, I think we definitely are pretty lucky to have someone on this tech fairly kind of early on and on the edge. Um, I mean, 
Some companies tried it around, uh, a pretty large company tried it around two years ago. They're called Ginger.io. Um, the problem when they tried it was that the technology wasn't there. Certain APIs on the iOS side were not open. So they could do what we were doing on the Android side, um, but it's not Apple. And uh, given our customers, most of our customers use Apple, so it just wasn't, really wasn't viable at the time. Um, but having said that, um, Apple opened up certain APIs that allow us to do what we do basically like a month um, before we started working on this. So we got lucky on that timing. We're definitely kind of at the forefront of this. Um, there are two other companies I know who are using this same technology um, in a more clinical type of setting. So it's not really competitive. But I mean, obviously, a company like Apple, Facebook, Google, who already have all the data that we're collecting could jump in the space and could be a potential fit. Or they could just buy you for an extraordinary exactly. amount of money. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's awesome, man. I mean, that's really cool. And is it something, Daniel, are you hoping at some point everyone has this app, just like people have iPhones with the health data embedded in with where wearables are headed? Yeah, I mean, like moving forward in the future, we don't really see ourselves um, long-term kind of building out our app very much more um we kind of want to be like a measurement tool because we know there are a lot of other wellness providers a lot of other apps out there um that do a pretty good job but the problem is like they only do a good job when people use them um and the, when the right people use them and so kind of where we see ourselves in the future is like we want to empower the other provider apps the other wellness apps to do a better job of targeting people at the right time and targeting the right people so eventually like we've been kind of shifting, um, our customers are shifting towards more and more using our API instead of just using our white label app. So eventually we just want to be the underlying technology behind all the other awesome providers out there. That's like the power grid instead of the engine builder, you're the outlet. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Man, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Well, Daniel, I obviously have to bring up since we are in the food space, I know me and you have talked food a bit off camera here. What's your go-to? Yeah. Are you in the food pickup delivery mindset lately at all? Yeah, I mean, uh, my girlfriend Kaylee here. There she is. Hi, oh yeah. What's up? Hi, hi. How are nice you? Um, she's like influenced me into right, ordering quite a bit more. <laughs> I'm all about takeout rolls. I hate cooking. I make a terrible housewife. He likes me anyways. There we go. Pie, <laughs> a lot of pasta. We had wow. some fried Oreos the other night. Oh, so wait a minute. Let me get this straight. So Daniel, post Kaylee, you've been a big delivery pickup person. Pre Kaylee, yeah. you were more of like a cook. Is that what I'm getting? Yeah, more cook. I get delivery. I d I get delivery like when I if I'm grinding at the office kind of thing. Um, or like back when I was in school, if I'm studying late at night, like if I'm not home, I'll get delivery. But if I if I'm home and I have like stuff to cook with, like I prefer to just like throw something together. Mm, there we go. And what what would you say the vice? What's been the Kaylee cheat move? I know you said ice cream. You're a fan of Daniel. What's your yeah. like go-to death row meal though? If all chips I mean, are on we, the table, we've been getting dumplings a lot, and that's been like pretty solid. There um, we go. But like, last week, we stumbled upon fried Oreos and fried Twix. Oh, the Twix are good. Yeah. Oh, 
Those were fire. Yeah. Where did you come across those? Yo, guys, they were on a road trip, by the way, all the way from California back to New York. Damn. Maybe oh, my God. That check. Yeah, guys, tell us, what kind of awesome food did you have on the way? Any insane experiences? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, we went to a winery in California, and that was probably the highlight of our food. Um, yeah, that was probably the last time that we ate a real meal for about right. sixteen. That's um, food. Lots of McDonald's and oh, stuff. Yeah. Making these. There at one point, uh, we were just camping out of the back of the car with the mattress, had a little gas burner, a pot of water. And some oh, wow. stale pasta with oh, wow. uh, jars. We just ate it out of the, the pot. Sounds like my. Wait, so how many times? How many times did you guys stop during that drive from California to New um, York? Every night, basically, yeah. we kind of alternated like one night of camping and then one night of like an Airbnb or hotel to like, just like refresh. Um, right. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, like there were only like three four like key stops that were like worth mentioning the others like nebraska iowa and ohio aren't the kind of stuff Midwest, yeah. 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 through colorado i know yeah. i i told them right after they left about buffs so they got there you know before we touched base isn't boulder cool yeah, Utah was definitely the best though. Yeah, Utah, the arches, far. very cool. I would highly yeah. recommend it trip to Utah. That's yeah. the hotel expansion. We're going hand in hand. Yeah, we're uh, that's our next market launches are throughout Utah, Salt Lake City, and Ogden. Nice, sweet. What about Moab? Moab, <laughs> is there are there any restaurants up there? Yeah, um, Austin James has a restaurant there, but it, there's just not a lot of people. It. Ah, maybe it's we'll more of like a tourist destination, though. Yeah, yeah, it is. We're like more, ATV. Did you guys camp out in Moab? Oh yeah. Did, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we we camped like off the rim of the Grand Canyon, um, in Moab. Wow, that sounds Crazy. incredible. You guys, yeah, did quite we. The Pardon? You did quite the adventure, and now you're back. Yep, back to the grind. And Daniel, you're moving to New York. Um, yeah, at least until end of summer. Um, I'm trying to convince Kaylee to move back to California. Um, oh. cause there's a lot more to do there right now. There we but go. That can not be too hard. Kaylee yeah. is headed west. Personally. Yeah, I mean that's an easy sell. California is unbelievable. I have a couple of good friends that live up in Northern California. In San Francisco? Oh, yeah, definitely. We'll nice. be uh, doing plenty of Hell yeah. <laughs> well, yo, Daniel, that this was awesome, man. I'll hit you up when we're off here, see what you guys are doing. Appreciate the yeah, time. For sure. We're pumped to nice see meeting you. you guys. Yeah, look out for Daniel yeah, Lee on everyone. everyone. This guy's getting bought yeah, by man, Watch for <laughs> it. Yeah, What's up? <laughs> Boom, baby. Bootstrapped in the trenches, yeah. making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my
my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady, keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lodell, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.
Wachung being yeah. like, we, it was, uh, Dan and I, I always joke around about this. We were in such a small town and it seemed like Pleasantville all the time. But I yeah. also think when we, we were ready to get out of there and burst that bubble, I don't know if you always had that feeling like come high school where it was like time to spread the wings here. And I yeah. feel like kids that grew up in our town, we've got that natural chip on our shoulder because we come from such a small area from near such a big city. Yeah. And what's your take on that? So I I never really thought about it that way. Like I never thought like, oh, watching such a small town. What I did feel like is like I have a chip on my shoulder because I was like one of the only like brown kids in school. And I had like the weirdest name and like one of the people that had like a weird name in school. I didn't and even so know when you pronounced your name, Hella, until I was creeping on your Insta story and you put something up about that. And I'm like, oh, man, like, did you ever correct friends or teachers? On that? No, no, because um, there's a, you saw the Insta story. So I remember when I was, it was the first day of middle school, our gym teacher, my, my name is, for, for context for everybody who's listening, my name in Arabic, I'm Arabic, of, I'm of Arabic descent. My name is Hella, that's how you say my name. But it's spelled H-A-L-A, so I always told everybody it was Hala, but that only came about because one time, like, a middle school teacher, like, picked on me, and he was like, Hella, like, hell, how did your parents name you that? Like, you know, that's so stupid, and I think I got, like, embarrassed by that. But I had awesome friends. I remember, like, Heather Melville was like, no, it's Heather, it's Hella, like, hello, you know, and she stuck up for me. So <laughs> it's fine. I mean, I, di I didn't get it that bad. Um but in general, I think a lot of the older people who controlled like, you know, whether who got the lead in the play and who got this and who made the cheerleading team and who got in Girl Scouts, you know, um, I never got those things when I was in middle school. And when I went to college, all of a sudden I was like, you know, I got every opportunity that I tried for. And it was because I went to like a diverse college and I, I wasn't abnormal anymore. Nobody cared about what my name was anymore. And then I just like kind of skyrocketed from there. And so I really think that the reason why um, I kind of have a chip on my shoulder that I want to succeed is because when I was in middle school and in high school, um, I never got opportunities, even though I was talented. I had probably the best voice in school honestly, and I would get solos in the chorus concert, but they never put me in the plays as like a lead. And then I went to college and I was the lead in all the plays like, you know, and, you know, I didn't make the cheerleading team. Then I went to college and I was like co-captain of the cheerleading team. You know, it's just these wow. reoccurring things that kept happening. Um, they didn't even let me be in the talent show in high school. So we when what? we were freshmen. Yeah. When we were freshmen in, in high school, that's when 9-11 happened. And like, I really think that because of my name, because I was Arabic, they didn't give me like regular opportunities um they told me that girl scouts was full when i was in elementary school like every year it was full like what does that mean like you know what i mean it's just so stupid wow. but i think that um that's why i have a chip on my shoulder and that's why i'm like accelerating now because um i somehow didn't get that discouraged and i kept going after things even though nobody gave me a chance in high school um, but then, you know, I went to college and it was totally different story. It's totally and Ella, and you clearly from there also, you have no fear of rejection, obviously. I mean, yeah, when none. you look at your track record, at what point, like you were, you had all these situations where you were on the cusp of uh, reality shows, hosting podcast, obviously you're hosting a great podcast now, but hosting a show on a successful radio channel. What, what reached a point? Did you ever reach that limit where you were just looking in the mirror, like, you know, maybe I should just shift gears here. Yeah, so I actually did shift gears and 
for everybody listening, I'm sure you guys don't know my backstory. I'll give you like the one minute, two minute version. Um, I started off my career Hot 97. I was Angie Martinez's assistant. For those who don't know, that's like the number one New York uh, station in New York. Angie Martinez at the time was the number one radio personality in the world probably. And so I had this like golden position where, you know, I would meet a celebrity every day, Chris Brown, J-Lo, Kim Kardashian, Drake, everybody. I met everybody. And so I was like um, pretty young. I was still like a sophomore in college. I dropped out of school. I ended up working for Angie Martinez for three years. Um, the way that it works in radio is that um, you basically have to be an apprentice and you actually don't get paid. I used to get paid doing like showcases at night and um, hosting parties with the DJs and things like that. But it was like such a coveted job, such a cool job. And um, then I asked for, you know, a, a real job at Hot 87 because at the time, um, my siblings were all in med school. And so you could imagine me dropping out of school and working at Hot 97 and it, trying to explain that to my parents. And they were like, what are you doing? You know, and so I was trying to get a real job and I wanted to be, you know, I was training somebody who like a producer role opened up and they wanted me to train them because I was doing that job. And I felt like, well, why don't you just hire me? And, you know, looking back, I was so young and like there's reason like I was on the path to be like Angie Martinez is like next up in line. Um, but I just wasn't patient. So I was like impatient. And they didn't give me the job. So that was like a major failure. And what did I do? I turned around and I started the sorority of hip hop. And basically what I did is I learned how to build websites. And I, I had a pretty big following on Twitter because of Hot 97. And I recruited all these girls and I started a blog site. And we had 50 female bloggers at the height of it. I did some really cool things on Twitter where we got really popular really fast. MTV scoped us. We had a pilot where they probably put in like $200,000. They got us a studio in New York. They filmed us for like three months. They filmed my family. They filmed us fighting as girls. And I was the president, you know, the lead of the, the show. And we didn't get it. And that happened twice. And so the second time it happened, um, you know, this was three years after I started the blog site, I shut the blog site down because I was like, you know what, I, I can't be in the sorority of hip hop forever. I already graduated college. <laughs> I don't think I could do this forever. I shut it down and then I got my MBA and um, I decided I was going to go into business and I kind of thought that my entertainment career was over for good. I really did. And um, I ended up getting like a 4.0 on my MBA. I got an internship at Hewlett Packard. And then I just kept rising up the ranks and I got recruited at Disney. And um, right before Disney, I started a Young and Profiting podcast. So every time that I had a failure, I basically turned it around and did something productive and it's, it's worked out. And I fueled any negative energy into trying to do something even better, trying to expand my skills, trying to learn as much as I can. And, you know, it's, it's worked out because rejection is just redirection, you know, and, and anytime I've gotten rejected, it's because I was good enough to get that opportunity. Not everybody gets an opportunity to have a pilot on. I didn't seek that out. They seeked me out. You know, not everybody gets approached by MTV for a pilot, and not everybody gets somebody who's invested in them to pay one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a, a, a pilot. So it's like looking back, it's like that was actually an awesome opportunity, and I'm really talented for securing that. It didn't work out, but the reason why I've had so many failures is because I was driven and motivated enough to actually get those opportunities and at bats. So um, that, that's incredible. And hell, I think for our listeners too, uh, there's something to be said. We see it all the time with our business, you know, putting yourself out there, like not being afraid of failing because that's part of the journey of totally. getting, you know, knocked down. But 
what do you think, like when somebody is trying to start something, you know, we all have that resistance naturally. First thing when we wake up, what do you tell somebody that's been hesitating that just wants to pull the trigger, but is held back and really wants to start something? So somebody who's, who, who has an idea and they feel like nervous of failure, like they, they, they feel like nervous of being rejected. I mean, you're never going to know if you don't try. And so everybody's like, number one, they say like the number one regret when somebody dies is that they didn't, they didn't try something like nobody ever looks back and is like, Oh, like, I wish I never tried this idea that failed. Um, and every failure is actually a stepping stone towards success. Um, I believe in something called skill stacking, right? And so what that really means is that you layer on multiple skills that could come from all different kinds of experiences. So we can take my podcast, for example. My podcast is successful not because I'm the best podcaster in the world. Like I'm not the best podcaster in the world, but I'm a really good marketer. And I have a lot of graphic skills, video editing skills. I have a lot of networking skills. And so I'm able to secure awesome guests, you know, when somebody else who's at my level probably doesn't get the same level of guests, but because I'm able to have build a social media following, you know, because I'm able to have really standout content because of my marketing skills, my podcast has become popular, not because I'm the best host. So it's like layering on those skills. And I wouldn't have gotten those skills if I didn't have so many failures, um, because it's those failures that where I learned those skills. Mm. Hello, you're a ball of energy. You know that? <laughs> yeah, I love it. Hill <laughs> stack. Yeah. That's fascinating. Because I, I love I love thinking about like I think of your podcast as a great life hack because I've dove in a few times and heard a lot of these things. And I love how you break down Hella, how you take your strengths and you're really supplanting to another level with yeah. this whole podcast due to your ability in marketing, networking. And with that, Ella, can you go over your LinkedIn ability? Because I have to say, I'm thoroughly impressed the way you've broken that platform down. I've never seen anyone, Dan and Corey, as good as Hella on LinkedIn. And Gary Vaynerchuk's the only other person there I pay attention <laughs> to. And because most people, you know, it's copy paste, like spam. Yeah, central. people. So, yeah. yeah. So, so like, I think first of all, I think LinkedIn is like an open playground, right? It's, um, it's got a lot of organic reach. Some people, you just need to know how to play the game, right? So, I think. One of the most important strategies with LinkedIn is because not everybody there is actually t there to engage on content. So I think one of the most important strategies is to actually recruit a proactive following and do, uh, sorry, recruit an active following and do it proactively. <laughs> so basically, um, like for example, what I did is um, I would follow Gary, like you just mentioned Gary V, right? So I would look at everybody who liked and commented on his posts. And I would do this with like Tony Robbins, other people who are in my self-improvement space that have a big following on LinkedIn. And um, I would even do it with past guests who've been on my show. That's another another strategy to like build your network. And what I would do is I would look at their, their content and I would say, who liked or commented on their post. And anybody who likes or comments on a post is an active person on LinkedIn. And I actually would uh, prioritize people who commented because comments uh, worth, are worth the most in terms of engagement on LinkedIn. So I wanted people who commented on posts. Who Some people are just lurkers and they don't say anything. Some people don't engage at all. Some people go to LinkedIn to 
find a job and they never come back on LinkedIn. So I want to find those active people. So what I did is anybody who commented on Gary Vee's post, I'd send them an invite. Hey, what's up? My name is Hala. I see that you liked Gary Vee's content and podcast. I have a podcast too. Um, hoping to connect. Looking to provide value on your feed. Hoping to connect. Then I'd follow up after they connected and like nine times out of ten people would accept and I'd say, um, you know, my name's Hala. I host Young and Profiting Podcast. Here's the link. My latest episode is yada, yada. Um, let me know your feedback. And most of the times people would be like, I loved your show. Your show's so awesome. And this works when you have good content, right? I knew that I had good content and that I could provide something valuable to, to these people. And I also knew that I posted really good content on my feed. So if they liked Gary Vee stuff, they'll like mine. So you, you can't just do that and not have content, right? You need to ha also have the content. So the other side is posting valuable stuff. So what do people want to do on LinkedIn? They want to learn. So you want to make sure that your content is something that provides value. It's educational in whatever field you're in. So for me, it's self-improvement. And so I, I have a pretty broad niche. It's just all self-improvement. It could be health. It could be mental. It could be whatever, um, business. Um, and I post valuable content. And um, I think that's really the formula. It's valuable content and it's a proactive, it's a, it's an active network that you proactively recruit and that's how you get started um, now people just follow me um, by themselves I don't really do that anymore but that's how I kick-started everything and when I had a blog site I did other similar hacks and it, it, it changes over time so like when I had my blog site we were popular on Twitter and what I did is um, we had 50 female bloggers. We all had like, you know, I had like 10,000 followers and one girl had 5,000, the other girl had 300, the other girl had 1,000. So, but altogether we had like 300,000 followers or something like that. So what I did is every time we had a blog, um, we would start putting the at of people's profiles in our blog title. So like at, you know, Drake, new music, new song, whatever. 50 girls would tweet that at one time. It was like automated where like I automated it so that people would tweet that title and we were the first ones to do that. Now everybody does that on Twitter, um, or they used to. I don't even go on Twitter anymore. So you were at the beginning of the hashtag game, like before yeah, Instagram so it was started like, that. Yeah, I was like, we were the first blog that did that on Twitter, where like they would like blast people's profiles, and so Drake would retweet us because he saw fifty pretty girls, you know, posting his content, <laughs> and then we got really big. So it's like, it's like you always need to like find that thing. Like nobody's doing what I that hack that I just told you for LinkedIn. It works amazing. Like it has such a big ROI. Nobody's doing it, you know. And so it's like you need to find those little like things and kind of take advantage of them. I love how you refer to it as an open playground because I honestly don't think people think of LinkedIn. They don't understand it. Well, I, I, a lot I, of people you know. do, but yeah, yeah, a lot of people, like, the people who are on Instagram, it's so funny. Like I have friends and like, they don't realize that like I've become like a LinkedIn celebrity and like, cause yeah. I'm like a loser on Instagram and it's just <laughs> no, like, you on, tell like, it. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Your LinkedIn, like the way you get engagement on there is unbelievable. It really yeah. is. Hello, where was the feeling? When did you find out you were a top 10 podcast in self-improvement and how to? Yeah, so um, I can't remember exactly. I think it was like a year ago. The way that podcasting works, it's like, it's not like I'm always in the top 10. It's like, and there's multiple countries. So like today I looked on Chartable is a website where you can check your ranking. I'm like number one in like some country in Africa. I'm number 14 in Mexico. Like I'm number That's two awesome. in Italy. Like, you know, so it's just, it just changes um, every day. Today I was like number 57 or something in the US. So I'm not always in the top 10. It just depends when I put out 
out a new episode and then like the day after I put out a new episode I'll be like in the top 10 and then if I don't put out an episode for a few days then it like drops back down so that's how podcasting works it's it's not like consistent unless you're like Joe Rogan and then you're always like number one in your category well you're on your way Hella I mean you're definitely how often do you so it seems like consistency obviously pays off a lot how often do you have guests on yeah, I post every single Monday. So that's my schedule. Um, and then sometimes I post bonus episodes. So like yesterday I had somebody cancel on me. Um, I was supposed to interview the C- the editor- editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And um, my internet crapped out right before. So I hopped on LinkedIn Live. And then I just, right after, I didn't even do any mixing or mastering. I just uploaded it uh, and posted it. So sometimes I just like randomly post things. But it's usually every Monday. That's amazing. And how did you come up with the Young and Profiting name? Yeah, I love the name. Oh, thank you. Um, Well, I honestly like just wrote down a million names. And um, I love the way that YAP, like the initials of it is YAP and Young and Profiting. And so I just thought that it was a really cool name and literally nobody used it in anything. There was like no images with that name. Like it was a totally original name. Um, So I just went with it. Um, Looking back, though, if I could give advice to some people who are looking to start a podcast, I would have never named it that. Um, I have a friend who who has a podcast. His name his name is uh, Brian Ford and um, his podcast is Self-Improvement Daily. And he's got such a good keyword in his podcast. He gets like 10,000 downloads a day. Like he gets like an amazing, crazy amount of downloads just because he's got a keyword in his name. Like I love him. He's got a great podcast. They're only two minutes long. He's not the best podcaster in the world. It's because he's got keywords in his title. Mm. So I would definitely recommend um, to think about the keywords that you would use if you're going to start a podcast. Because for me, I have to teach everybody to look for young and profiting. Nobody really finds me on their own. And that's, that's not the best. That, that's a very, that's vital for sure. Sounds I, like we got to change the name of our podcast. I would, yeah, I would do it. I would do it before it gets too big. Cause now I'm like, I'm going to have no return. Oh, wow. Unless wow. I just like, unless I just tag self-improvement, like on the end, like, yeah. I guess those shirts we got printed should be going in the trash. <laughs> no. I mean, I, if I could do it all over again, that's what I do. And if I start another podcast, that's what I'm going to do. Uh, and hell, I know you mentioned you do consulting too to help people like build behemoths. So we might have to take you up on that offer. How do you go about uh, bringing on your services? Yeah, so I just started this and my first client is Heather Monahan. She has another podcast called Conf- Confidence Creator. Um, I don't even know if I want to take other clients, honestly, because I feel like it's like I'm, it's kind of too much. But in terms of like, how do I, like, what's your question? Like, how do I get clients? Well, no, I was just trying to help push you. Oh, okay. No, I'm not looking for new clients. I have too many people that want my services. (laughs) That's a good problem. Good problem. Wow. I mean, how, and obviously we we're in the food game. I have to ask you, do you ever order food delivery? Um, yeah, all the time. Tell nice. me about your business. I don't, I don't we're, know anything about it. We're, uh, the David and the Uber Eats space. We're basically one of the smaller competitors of Uber, DoorDash. We're uh, fighting the good fight, like building out the smaller market. So I started it back at Indiana university. Dan went to Boulder, got a site going there. Corey's been on our team from pretty much day one cool. as a piece of our company. And we're, uh, yeah, I think we're in 16 markets now. We've been just building out, trying to, you know, compete with the big boys. And it's been pretty crazy. But yeah, it's young called- and profiting. <laughs> it's called Lodell. Lodell. L-O-D-E-L. Yep. 
Cool. Is so, it in New York yet or not yet? Not yet, Hella. We're hoping we can come to New York soon, though. We're definitely, I, I would love us to be here. Cool. I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. Thank you. And uh, Hella, where can everybody find your podcast? Young and Profiting. Sure. You can find Young and Profiting podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, iHeartRadio, um, literally anywhere you want to get your podcast, Overcast, CastBox. Um, you can find us there. And then I'm on LinkedIn. Just search for my name. It's Hala Taha. And on Instagram at Yap with Hala. That was amazing. Hala, so much. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on. And we've learned a ton. And uh, you got me pumped up. Like I thought I was energetic. I could, keep, so I could talk for a lot longer. This is short. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, is there anything else? Like, where do you see the future of your podcast going at this point? Do you have certain, like I could tell you're a goal setter, a trend setter. I'm sure you have a specific agenda in mind here. Yeah. I mean, I want to be like a, a top education podcast. So how to is a subcategory on Apple. So I want to move up to be like a top educational podcast and then I'll be really playing with the big boys. And really my dream is to be like the female version of Jordan Harbinger or Tim Ferriss or Tom Balyu, um, those really big podcasters. There's no like big female presence in the self-improvement space. So I really want to do that. Um, and that's what I'm hoping for. And also, I don't think I'm always going to have this podcast. I really like love to evolve. And so I think eventually I'll have some version of the Halataha show and, and maybe give Young and Profiting to like my interns. So I love how you go over that whole evolution process, because I think as creators, entrepreneurs, you if you, you know, if you can't be stagnant, we always no. go over that on our team or else you're done, you know, yeah. and that's cool yeah. that you're already acknowledging that you won't even be running this at some point. Yeah, That's no, really... I'm totally pruning my team to take it over. And I'm like wow. letting them guest and like like guest interview and stuff so so that they'll be prepped. The female Tim Ferriss. I love that bar. I mean, how <laughs> have you read his books? Um, yeah, I have. I don't really remember them too much, but I, I listen more to his podcasts. He's got some crazy stories, that guy. Like yeah, some he's of the, amazing. Did you the whole part with South by Southwest where he was basically getting pumped in his buddy's garage for his dog in front of his dogs? to see if they could keep their attention before oh, really? going on stage for the first time. Oh, yeah, I thought, cool. yeah, he's just that guy. It's crazy what an ex life experimenter he is. So that that's a great, if you're, you can become the female Tim Ferriss. That would wow. be amazing. I, I'm rooting we'll for see, it. Bella. We'll see. That's awesome. Thanks guys. Thank you. It, it's been awesome talking to you and catching up. Haven't, I was telling these guys, I don't think I've talked to you since, uh, or seen you since end of high school. I know, I know. It's while. so funny that you reached out, but you know, you seem like you're doing great and it's cool that we can connect this way. It's like awesome to be in 2020 where we could just like hop on a video call and, and Oh, it's great. So it's cool. And I hope uh, you enjoy the summer. Let me know when you make it back to Brooklyn. We'll grab a coffee. Yeah, sure, for sure. Thanks guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Bootstrapped in the trenches, yeah. making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady, keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lodell, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.